Blog Talk Radio. Now let's join Holly Steffi and Red Velvet Media as we explore the inspirational worlds of music, media, and more.
a great song. I cannot tell you how many amazing memories I have from that song. And that again is To the Last Whale by um, CSN. And um, I just want to say that today's show is really special. I have Patricia Corey with me. This is Holly Steffi with Red Velvet Media. And um, that song, I have to tell you, um, means a lot, especially, um, I'm sure, to Patricia with the work that she's doing with the whales and the dolphins and her latest novel that she just published called The Emissary, which is the voice for all the sea animals that are out there. She's in the studio today. I'm going to be bringing her in live. But I want to tell you, I want to paint a picture here. I actually went and saw them perform that song live Um and I actually was sitting very, very close. Besides being back behind, I was in the front. And um, during that song, they put up a big screen behind them. And I don't know if anyone else saw them when they did this tour, but um, they p- had pictures of dolphins and and uh, whales. And you can hear the sounds of the whales and the dolphins. And I know um, there were quite a few people that were involved in that and it's just such a it just gives me chills that song so welcome to red velvet media blog talk radio and again today i have patricia corey and if you would like to listen to the show live it is available um by going on demand um the chat room is open if you want to go into the chat room you do need to create an account um if you want to listen live you can listen live on a player any device and also we will be on itunes afterwards as a on-demand episode and also on-demand on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio. And with that, I'm going to bring Patricia into the studio. She's in the U.K. right now and um, promoting her amazing book. And uh, we're going to be talking about her singing the oceans alive, um, sing, sa- org. Patricia, are you there? 
I'm here. <laughs> Hi, Holly. Thank you for that. Hi, honey. Wasn't that a Hi, great? Hi, sweetheart. I know. I know. You love that song oh, as much as I know, do. I, I didn't get the lyrics are very heavy. Yeah. yeah. The lyrics are heavy to I, that song. Very yeah. heavy. But it is reality. And, you know, when you when you listen to that line, it's a shame you have to die to put the shadow on our eyes. If that isn't a statement about our need to understand what we're doing, boy, I don't know what is. So why they're doing cruelty free makeup now because um they're doing a lot of a lot of different companies and I and I actually will not you know, even the lipsticks and stuff, they talk about the lipstick on your face and the food that we feed our animals and stuff. They've they've kind of sort of gotten away from that, but I'm sure that um uh it's still happening, and that's why there are such great people like you that are promoting um, um, pro things for us to do with your um, nonprofit that you have and all the amazing books that you've written. I mean, go figure. I mean, this is, like, amazing. And you've got an event coming up on Friday, April 25th in the United Kingdom called Singing the Oceans Alive. If anyone would like to get information on that, it's saveearthsoceans.org. You can go there and you can see the up-and-coming events and also Singing the Oceans Alive is available as well. Um, And we're here because of your fabulous, amazing book, The Emissary, which... I think is just um when I I got it before it came out I got it on um I I was privileged enough to be able to get a copy of it beforehand and I couldn't put it down and um I I see you so much as that character that was in that book and um you've got quite a few other books and you do um some soul quest journey programs and stuff like that so Let's talk about everything. Why don't you tell everybody, who's Patricia Corey? If somebody were going to ask you who you are besides the dolphin lady, <laughs> you called me the dolphin queen <laughs> earlier, and we can make noises now, guys. We do sound like dolphins and whales. Um, tell everyone, our, <laughs> our audience, who's Patricia Corey? If somebody had to say, who 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 is this Patricia Corey and about her books and stuff, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you came to be what you're doing. Okay. I, um, I'm on a perennial quest trying to learn who Patricia Corey is. So I don't have a fixed <laughs> answer for that, but um, I am uh, uh, on a, a person who's on a spiritual journey as most of us are and trying to understand what life is all about and devoted mm-hmm. and in love with, the planet Earth, and a total animal activist, but not a but not a in a ferocious way. I just mm-hmm. I'm dedicated to helping people understand that we share this planet with millions and billions of species, and that by understanding and loving, being part of that, then the experience of living on this planet is ever so much much more rich and meaningful. So I would say, who's Patricia Corey? I'm a animal activist. I'm a, in love with the whales and dolphins. I'm a, uh, an adventurer, a seeker. And of course, I'm, I'm a writer and uh, a public speaker. And I'm lately, I'm also a producer. 
besides, are only things that I do. Besides side side doing her social things at night, she swims in the ocean. I think I actually think she's a mermaid that goes around and does little healing things under the water because after reading your book and stuff and also um, you are a published author of many other books one which is very popular that I'm sure a lot of people have heard about which was the star feeds correct yeah the star feed dialogue yep unbelievable book unbelievable book um, well, the first three books were called the Syrian revelations and it mm-hmm. was a trilogy and so they're, they're, those are known as the Syrian Revelations, but they're really the Cosmos of Soul, Atlantis Rising, and No More Secrets, No More Lies. And since then, I've gone on to do many others, and now this, The Emissary is my first fictional, quote-unquote, novel. Well, I love the name The Emissary, and for people that don't know what The Emissary is, The Emissary is a voice for um, some thing a figure or whatever and you i believe are the true emissary for the ocean and are are i mean seriously you've been dubbed as a real life indiana jones in the media and by those that have gone on your adventures with you and that's really funny because um i know the male indiana jones and he's actually up um, in the area I'm in, and um, he actually um, is in, um, uh, where is he, Paraguay right now, teaching people about um, all the different un, unfound um, cult, you know, things like different fish and different species of different things that have been never found, and he is actually helping people to preserve all that and teaching the natives how to do that. And um, oh, I always, and when I met him, I said, "Hey, you know what? You remind me of Indiana Jones because not only has he done that, he's like he found um, Jack London's um, desk. And I know you know the great writer Jack London. He found the desk that he wrote sure. Call of the Wild in, on in the." areas just by clues what he did up here in the area of Sonoma in the woods. So you've got a partner, honey, and she he's he's um he's doing the same kind of work you're doing, but you're doing amazing work and this book that you've got that's out now, The Emissary, um let's tell our readers a little bit about I mean our, our listeners about the book a little bit. Um and maybe um, people can download it. They can download it. It's available on Amazon. It's available pretty much everywhere right now. Um, yes, talk, it just yeah. came out on March fourth. Yeah. So let's let's. What's the storyline on the emissary for people that are listening, so they can uh, get a better understanding from the author? Okay. the The story is uh, fiction. I repeat that in quotes. So. Uh, I do believe that a lot of what has come through as fiction is actually founded in reality, and mm-hmm. that's what I hope people will take with it because even though there are some difficulties in the, in the plot that we need to think about, it's still a lot of what's, what's happening now is uh, really uh, forecasted in the, in the book. So basically, it starts out uh, that three events occur on the planet simultaneously. In Los Angeles, out of nowhere, 
man is driving down the street after work. Uh, he looks up, stops the car to talk to a neighbor, and uh, five, six hundred blackbirds drop dead immediately, simultaneously on the all the road around him. Something like oh, an Alfred Hitchcock scenario. Oh, have chills you're telling me this. Yeah, I'm This totally happened actually chills. in Arkansas. It happened in Little Rock, Arkansas some time ago, and it's happened again. I, I don't remember where. So this is a, this is a real event. It's happened uh, several times on the planet. At simultaneous to this, on the East Coast in Maine, a woman comes out her back door on a rocky beach uh, to take her children out for a picnic, and she looks down the coast, and to her shock, the coast is littered with tens of thousands of fish, there's still some of them, most of them are still breathing, still gasping for air. So she knows that this is sudden, so fast. Are you there? There's not even still the stench. Yeah. There you are. You're there. You it was just cutting in and out. And just so everybody knows, Patricia's in the UK right now, and she's calling in on a line from the UK. So if it kind of goes in and out, and if you missed the beginning of this, you can listen to the show again on iTunes. I'm sorry. So it's it, you were talking about a woman, okay? Okay, a woman steps out of her house in Maine, and she looks mm-hmm. to take her children on a picnic. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, absolutely. Okay. As she looks down the beach to her horror. She sees tens of thousands of fish all the way down the, the stretch of beach, and they're gasping for air. They're not, they're not dead yet, so she knows that this has been something that's happened so fast that uh, there's not even been any decay yet. It's just happened. And uh, that's the second event. And then at the same time, we do a uh, shift uh, to New Zealand mm-hmm. where 150 whales and dolphins have beached and are dying on a uh, resort beach in New Zealand. And one of the volunteers that is out trying to help them is a woman protagonist of the story named Jamie Hastings, who is in New Zealand because she's getting away from the pressure of being a highly sought-out psychic who's worked with the police department and and various other commercial entities and people, needy people, and she's just evacuated the area. She's from San Francisco, so she's left the area and gone to New Zealand to chill out and instead finds herself in a situation where she's with these dying whales. She becomes very involved uh, with a mother whale who is just dying, very, very pregnant. So Jamie, being a psychic, makes this incredible connection with the dying mother. And this is the beginning of a tale of a long encounter with uh, that energy and different things that she goes through uh, to be able to bring their message to the human race. Wow. So that's where you become the emissary. Um, <laughs> well. Yeah, I, I don't claim can to be imagine. A... <laughs> I can imagine it must have been. What was it like for you writing this book? Um, did you find yourself really um, immersed in this and feeling a lot of different emotions when you were writing it, based on things that really happened? Yeah, anytime I ever I ever talk about the whales and dolphins, it's the most powerful emotional journey for me because I. I think you'll agree with me. Once you've made that connection, it is, I don't want to say all-consuming, but there is nothing more compelling in my life than my concern to help the whales and dolphins. It's it's, it's just immense. And I 
although I'm, I care about so many things, I'm, I'm active with so many other causes, uh, I feel with them this incredible wisdom, this incredible beauty, and I mean, in very early for the human race to step up to the plate and mm-hmm. uh, care for them and care for the oceans, and that's why I do what I do. Oh, no, I, I can imagine. Um, I think I told you my connection to the ocean is totally huge. So when I heard about your book and everything, I was just like, and, and heard about you and, and the nonprofit that you have, I thought it was amazing. Because um, I've, I've actually had the experiences, and I'm sure you have as well, um, where I had lived on the beach for 19 years, I woke up one morning to the sound of helicopters out in the front of my yard and um I cuz I was on the sand and basically a a whale had beached himself on the on the on in front of my house and it was huge I mean it was like blocks huge we're talking um and you know I was told and this was before everybody was able to land and anybody had come in the lifeguards and everything and I ran out there and um, I wasn't afraid because I had had seals many times come up to me on the water and I surfed every morning and the dolphins were there and they didn't bother myself they actually saved my daughter's life once by throwing her out of the water when um, she fell off her board they pushed her out of the water on the sand really hard Um, but I actually got to go up to this whale and touch it. It was alive. Um, you could hear it breathing, and you could feel it. And um, it was probably one of the most profound experiences in my life. So when I read your book, and I was going through the emotions that your character was going through, I can understand um, what it was like, and I can imagine only from you with your own personal quest that you're doing and the personal experiences that you've had, what it's been like for you. So, um, you know, have you spent a lot of time out um, in the water personally, like um, on different event adventures to find things? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm from California, so mm-hmm. as a as a as a kid, as a young woman, I spent as much time as possible on the beach and mm-hmm. uh, not so much in the water. I, I've never been a surfer like you, but I've been always compelled by the ocean. I, that's where I find my solace. And <clears throat> it's been how many years now, gee, I can't remember, where I've been going out uh, in Mexico, Vulver, uh the uh, uh, St. Rupert's Island in eastern Canada, the Azores, everywhere I could possibly get to to swim and to be near the whales or to swim with wild dolphins. But my first real adventure with swimming with wild dolphins has been in the Azores Islands. And it's really oh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> wow. I went the first time to swim with wild dolphins. That's about jumping off a boat in the middle of the ocean two miles away from shore and two miles down into the sandy bottom. And uh, it is not like Hawaii or some of these other locations where the dolphins are used to swimming in and breeding people. It's wild, wild ocean. And so I've been doing that. I've been jumping off the boat and swimming in the ocean with wild dolphins and greeted with the most spectacular 
embrace. My first adventure was 150 bottles of dolphins who stayed with me for 30 hours in the ocean. Wow, that's that's intense. Um, I can only. I mean, I can only imagine what it what it felt like, because I know that um, I'm really connected to them, and uh, you know, it's really funny, fascinating. Over the years, I've I've heard so many tales. You've heard the tale of the rainbow, right? About the Indians when they came to America, traveling across the ocean on the rainbow, and for every one of the Indians that fell into the ocean, they became the keeper, the watcher of the ocean, which became a dolphin. You heard that? Yes. That's yes, I have. That's why there is the of the rainbow bridge and Jamie, the hero of the story. Yep. Uh, stays with to stays with them to help them over the rainbow bridge. Yeah, that's so, the part yes, that's, that I tuned into very much. So, um, what um what what can a person do to, um to really be proactive and help. Um, I know that you have your nonprofit and also a really amazing concert coming up soon in the UK. Um, and I'm sh- and you're coming also to San Francisco and you're coming to California again. Um, what are yes. what are those dates? Do you have any dates set for those yet? Yeah, I'm going to be touring the United States for the first time in 12 years for me to be back. Wow! And I will be in May. Um, May 10th and 11th, I'm doing a, a workshop uh, in San Francisco. I'll be speaking at the San Francisco Public Library about the book and reading from the book on the 12th. I hope I got that date right. And uh, I'll be all over the Bay Area. I'll be trying to talk with people and, and meet like-minded people. And then I'll be going down to Los Angeles. I'll probably be doing some speaking down there. And I'm going to be doing a book signing at the Agape a spiritual church, which is so exciting, oh, how cool. with Michael Beckett. That's really cool. He invited yep. me down there. And then I'm also doing a workshop in Miami on the 24th and 25th of May. And after that, I, oh, and I'll be visiting with some live people who are doing research with dolphin communications, trying to break the barrier of human and dolphin communication, not teaching them how to respond and, and flap their flippers <laughs> but actually break it through. <laughs> yeah, so, no. that's be, Yeah. And as far as what people can do, here's my So many people tell me, oh, it's wonderful tiny, what you're doing. You're just breaking up a tiny little bit. Okay. Can you hear me now? There you go. Yeah, I can hear you better now. Yeah. All right. Uh, I was saying people ask me what they can do. And they often feel disempowered because it is so huge. So many problems on this planet are so huge that it's easy to feel like it's just too huge to confront. And so what I recommend to people is take baby steps to something good for the planet. If Find out what it is that moves you the most and move in that direction. For me, it, at this moment in my life, it is trying to heal the oceans and, and save the the whales and dolphins. This is my passion. And what people can do to help, gee, you know, start with not throwing that plastic bottle down the, uh, off the, out of the car. I mean, people are still doing this in, in Italy. People throw yeah, garbage out of the car. Okay, so mm-hmm. more consciousness for the ecology and 
uh, anything you can do, whether that's picking up debris on the beach, whether that's uh, donating money to a person like mine, whether that is uh, rallying up people and, and doing a drive to, to do anything, a petition, something, take action, something. We are 8 billion people on this planet. 8 billion people. And uh-huh. 75% of our, our planet is ocean. Now, surely we can rise to the occasion and get even a, per, a small percentage of this population to wake up to the, the emergency, the crisis. And so my appeal to people is please do something and do it now. Uh-huh. Don't wait for somebody oh, yeah. else to do it and say, say how great it is that they do it. Do it now. And, of course, I would love people to help me help the whales and dolphins. I, my organization is new. We need support. We need volunteers. We need brilliant people who are willing to pour their hearts into helping save the whales and dolphins. I, I think that's really an important part of our life, too. Um, and the thing is, uh, if somebody wants to get involved in your nonprofit, it's, again, saveearthsoceans.org. You can go there, guys, and you can check that out. Um, and also, there is the information there about the up-and-coming concert that's going to be happening in the UK, which we're hoping to get some people involved in. So, um, I'm I'm super excited about being having you on the show today. I just uh, I think you. it's really important. And I think it's really important that we get the word out there as well about The Emissary because I think this is such a great book. What made you decide to write a, um, a fiction novel? What, what made you decide to write this, even though it's based really on some realities? Well, it is based on a lot of realities, but what made you decide to do this book? What was the um, factor that had okay. you do this? I, I, uh, after, after doing so many nonfiction books, uh, in the mind, body, spirit genre, I woke mm-hmm. up one morning and uh, my voice in my head said, it's time to write a, a screenplay. And I laughed at myself. I was like, I have no experience on writing a screenplay. Now, how am I going to... And uh, I'm kind of a person that doesn't like the, the manual. So if I mm-hmm. like a technical instrument, I can't read the manual. I just figured it out on my own. If I can't, I don't use it. So I uh, I said, okay, writing a screenplay. It was really funny. I, I was just guided to this. So I got on the Internet and I looked up how to write a screenplay and got the essential and got the software called Final Draft and set out on my quest to write. And I'm talking no experience at all of writing fiction and certainly no experience of writing a screenplay. And mm-hmm. yet this story was just pouring out of me. It was It was amazing. The characters started to take form before my eyes and I got so involved in it I finished the screenplay in three months oh my gosh what happened that's unbelievable yeah three months three months and then I my pup yeah no 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 you I I I, you were cutting out a little bit I'm I can hear you now go ahead my publisher uh wanted to read the screenplay because they'd like to know what I'm up to since I do all my my publishing with them and when the publisher read it, she loved it, My uh, the vice president of the of marketing. And she said, when are you going to give us the novel? I said, oh, wow. oh, oh God, I've never written a novel either. Mm-hmm. So I wrote the novel. 
after that. And my delight is that the screenplay has already been optioned to become a feature-length film. So that's in the works, and hopefully it's in development, which means they're getting the package together to get the deal together so that they can produce this movie. So I'm very, very excited about that. because Hooray, I'm sure you, you announced you it. You announced that. I had heard that, and I wasn't going to say anything yet because I didn't want to give it away. But when I spoke (laughs) with uh, the person that I spoke to earlier, uh, his music is uh, pretty incredible, and um, as well as Kristen's music. I had Kristen on, you know, my show, and it was so weird because that was the week. That was the week I just had gotten the book and just to talk to Dia, and here she's on my show. And we're talking, and I go, oh, by the way, you know, this week, next, I'm going to have the Amazon. She goes, no way. And that was this, that was what she's going to be singing. So it was pretty that incredible. Amazing. What synchronicity. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know. Oh, that's, um, no, that's how energy works when it, all, all the pieces come together, don't they? Dedicated mm-hmm, they people do. bringing the energy into, yeah, it's very exciting. I want to let you know also we do have quite a few people listening live. And for all of you that are listening live, if you missed the beginning of the show, please make sure to listen to it in its entirety on iTunes afterwards and immediately on Red Velvet Media Blog Talk Radio On Demand. Um, And I just want to tell you something really cool, Patricia. You know, this is um, we're coming up to World Water Day. And this Friday I have somebody that totally respects you and totally is, involved in the water industry um sandy fox um she works with the hopi indians she works with quite a few people and she's going to be doing a special show with me on world water day on friday so this is a water week um this is great because um on monday um i had did a special show and i normally only do shows wednesdays and fridays but I did a special show on um, Monday on the pilgrimage to France, the Mary Magdalene pilgrimage, and the feminine divine. So it was a very, this has been a heavy week for me, and um, it's been actually really, on a spiritual realm, um, amazing. Um, Brought a lot of really great people together, and you are one interview that I have been looking forward to. Have you done any other interviews on the emissary yet on the radio, or am I the first? Yes, I've done a few, but you're obviously one of the more exciting ones that I've also been invited to, uh, to do. <laughs> that of, of all the great work you're doing and the connection with Kristen Hoffman, who I'd like to repeat, is this brilliant, I just, I found her video on uh, the, the internet and the stimulations that I had to to really do this concert, singing the ocean, singing the song of the oceans for people that uh, haven't heard it. It's very moving, and she's very gifted. And when I heard that you had her on and you made the connection, my publicist, Dia Shandara, I said, oh, boy, this is a woman I've got to talk to. Well, let me tell you something. She and I just like totally connected on a lot of different levels, and her music's beautiful. And um, for anyone that hasn't heard her music, it's Kristen Hoffman. Look it up on YouTube, and also Kristen Hoffman has a website as well. And um, we were—I was speaking to somebody else earlier, also in the UK, that we're hoping to get involved in this. Um, and hopefully, he gives a gives it a, a thumbs up. And that's uh, Steve Basalmo. I'm saying his name here. 
<laughs> but he's I an amazing <laughs> yeah he's an amazing singer for a lot of people that don't know steve he played oh, on um the london rock unbelievable singer. yeah and uh he is yeah can you, hear we, me? you know it would be complete yeah. if he got there and met all the other people that are playing. Who are all, some of the other artists that are going to be playing um, for this concert for you? Well, we have the World Philharmonic Concert Orchestra, which is wow. why it was Let's Get Nothing Left Best. That's not shabby. So, <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, the other artists are playing. Uh, as a donation to this effort because it's to raise funds for Save Earth's Oceans. We have Kristen Hoffman, the aforementioned, who is singing. We have Pramik Tubbs, one of the all-time great Saxon uh, wind instrument players. He's played with everybody from Santana to all the way to Lady Gaga and everybody in between, and he's coming in from the States. Nawang Ketchok, who is the flautist who plays for the Dalai, His Holiness the Dalai Lama, a man mm. named Levon Minassian, who is this extraordinary duduk player, which is instrument that apparently you have to learn from childhood. And, and he's he's played, he just played to 350,000 people with Peter Gabriel. Uh, Craig Proust, who has won all kinds of awards, uh, and he writes entire movies, uh, soundtracks, and has written incredible music, and he'll be playing, and... He's also uh, helping us with the arranging for the event. We have two young men called the Ganda Boys, who are the most beautiful folk on this planet. And they, oh my goodness, they, they're bringing some soul, let's say, the cultural soul of Africa into the event, always with the consciousness of the whales and dolphins. Let's see, who have I forgotten? Tim Wheater, another grand musician here. He's really well-known here, a, a divine flautist. He, he likes to play ancient instruments. He has, I think, the world's greatest connection, collection of instruments from the past. Uh, the wonderful Lucinda Drayton, who has, uh, is familiar, very popular here. She did an album called Bliss, which I wore, I, I wore the CD, CD through to the other <laughs> side. Ow. <laughs> And last but not least, we have this incredible Kareem Saeed, who is a Jordanian young man who was a child prodigy and has now come into his, blossoming into his incredible career. He'll be playing piano. So we've got all of these dedicated, uh, extraordinary musicians with and playing into the music of the Royal Philharmonic Concert Orchestra. And if the wonderful Stephen joins us, well, I just will, I will just float out of the room. Oh, you're so funny. It's going to be a wonderful I think evening. That, yeah, you know, this would be such a great experience for everyone. And you know what's really great? It's for a great cause and a reason. Um, I, I personally have connected so uh, on such a deep level, and I'm sure is is not as deep as you because you're, you're um, writing about it more, but to the ocean on a very, very, very deep level. And um, there are so many things that we can do. Um, and I think that you can give us some ideas, like you said, you know, and also tune in on Friday to listen to World Water Day. Um, we're going to do a show on World Water Day just to talk a little bit about what we can do for the water and stuff, um, you know, and, and how we can help the Earth as well. 
So I am super excited about this book, and I want to let everyone know that they need to read this book. If you um, are a lover of water and the ocean, um, and you want to know more about Patricia, you can also go to Patricia Corey, C-O-R-I, and uh, you can look that up on the net. And also, um, I want to thank everyone in the chat room right now. I extended the show a little bit. Do you have a little time or are you, because uh, you're in UK time right now. Is it okay with you? Yes, I'm absolutely here at your service. Oh, I'm delighted so to be cute. with you. I, I love doing this show. This is great. Um, you know, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a really quick break here, and um, and we'll be right back in one second. And uh, I just want to um, let everybody know that today, again, if you missed the beginning of the show, please make sure to listen to it in its entirety on iTunes, and also on demand on Red Velvet Media immediately afterwards. Um, we'll be able to uh, listen to that. Okay, let me just play this real quick and then we'll come right back. Hi, I'm Sandy Fox, also known as the Water Goddess. This week on Red Velvet Media, we are diving deep into the world of water to celebrate UN World Water Day on March 22nd. It's all about the big blue and the water in you. So tune in to Red Velvet Media with Holly Steffi. And we're back. I had to play that because that goes right with what we're doing here. <laughs> Are you there, Patricia? I have to. I'm here. The water goddess. She's actually, she is. She's known as the water goddess, believe it or not, Sandy. You and Sandy need to meet because um, she has some really heavy connections with the Hopi Indians as well. And um, uh, she's very much on, on our wavelength. And um I'm really intrigued about your book you wrote about Atlantis because um I believe in the Palladians and uh I believe in um I believe that we all and I don't even want to get too heavy into this, but I feel there's a past life there. Um let's talk a little bit about um where you're going with the emissary besides it going into a movie. What are you currently working on now besides um promoting your book and book signings and if you could get to meet Patricia it would be pretty amazing let me tell you well what am I doing let's see I'm organizing this concert I'm trying to really do all my best to get favorite oceans involved in a a few very important projects one of which is going to be plastic uh, containment on the beaches and clean up teams on the beaches and mm-hmm. I'm also, of course, promoting the emissary at the moment, and I am involved in a, to a certain point with the producer as they start to make preliminary, uh, let's say, plans for what's coming up. I'm very excited about that as well, and mm-hmm. I'm already ri- I'm already halfway into the sequel of the the um, emissary. You're kidding. I write a lot. Wow. And it's interesting that you mentioned Atlantis. So this is a little clue. The sequel to The Emissary is titled The Keeper of the Crystal Skull. So that ought to give you a little clue. I've chilled. You said that. You said that. Do you know I know someone that says they actually have um, in their possession one of the crystal skulls? That's pretty heavy. Mm Mm-hmm. 
I'd have to I'd have to sit with the skull before I could verify that or not. You would but know. It's you would know. Yeah, you'd be able I to. I have surgical skulls myself. Yeah, um, I think that um, we all have that intuitiveness in us, um, and I felt I felt so much pain when I went out on the beach that day, and I actually was touching the whale, and um, there was so much pain there. Wow. And they actually did get him back out into the water. They came in with nets and uh, helicopters and a boat and pulled him back out into the ocean. Um, he wasn't sick or anything. They checked him out. Um, there was a big surge that day because where I lived, the ocean, the streams come in from Mexico and then from another area, and it just pushed him in really hard because we had, I think, 20-foot waves that day um, breaking out yeah. on the on the break point. And uh, he came in, and um, it was it was it was pretty pretty amazing that's all i can tell you and you know the experiences of the dolphins with me and then i want to hear about yours is dolphins for me are just like you know when i first started surfing i went out into the water and i saw this dorsal fin and i was thinking oh crap you know but i didn't see the flag up on i didn't see if i didn't see the flag up on this on the uh, pier that there were sharks in the water because I looked for that, and uh, I knew immediately when I saw more than one dorsal fin. Because if anyone knows, do not swim by themselves. They swim in pods. And um, if there is one that is swimming by itself, it's usually sick, or it's um, usually swimming with another one that tries to keep it alive. I know that there are many stories about that. But I used to swim, and they would, um, every morning at 5.30, if I was one minute late, from coming out there getting into the water they would call because i mean literally i was on the sand and i my window and my bedroom faced the ocean and i could hear them you know out in the water and so um i would go out and swim and and my daughter would go out there before she went to school and and like i said one time she fell off her boogie board and they they actually you know went under and pushed her and threw her onto the beach, knocked the wind out of her, but threw her onto the beach because, you know, if she hadn't been, that would have been pretty horrific. But there's lots of stories about dolphins saving people's lives and also dolphins saving people from sharks and stuff, right, Patricia? Absolutely. I mean, Hardy Jones, who who is the uh, the CEO of BlueVoice.org, was a mm-hmm. colleague of mine, uh, told me that he was, now, this is a man who lived in the water, and he was mm-hmm. in the Bahamas with a pod that knows him so well that they come to meet him every every season. They come to meet him. Yeah. They know the sound of his voice. And he yep. said that he was in the water, and a hammerhead shark was coming right at him. And he said this was one of those moments when you, no matter how adept you are in the water, you're 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 out of you're out of luck. He said it was moving so fast, the water was opaque, and uh, by the time he saw this hammerhead it was coming right at him and he said three of the dolphins cut right in front of him and started squeaking and, and st- screaming and mm-hmm. scared him away and he said had they not been there he would have been dead so this yeah. is not unusual and, you know especially I, I think that the dolphins are such conscious beings that they form relationships and I'm sure that they formed a relationship with you because you said you were out every day oh totally they would call me and I talked to the people since um, I sold where I was living, 
and they tell me that they're still out there and um they're still calling and um what was really oh. amazing for me living on the ocean at night listening the foghorns would put me to sleep and that's what I miss I think the most um about the ocean or just <clears throat> the whole the whole feeling of being at one with the water you know what's really weird Patricia I had the biggest fear of the ocean for a long time I don't know why but as a young child I just had really huge fear of it so when I was looking for a place to move and bring my daughter up as a single parent, um, I thought, what better place than by the water? Well, you know, it was really funny. I feel like almost our divine put me there because I'm driving down the strand, behind the strand, and no sooner had I been on the strand looking and I saw this one guy on a roof of a house and I was thinking, what's he doing up there? He's putting a sign up for the place. And I go, are you kidding? And he took it right down. And we moved in like um, probably two weeks later. And uh, it took some getting used to because I lived right there where we had to have a berm up all the time because I don't know if anybody knows anything about Seal Beach but there's quite a lot of um quite a lot of flood we we ha- there are a lot of waves and a lot of um you know mild tsunamis that come in there because you have two gul- you have two jet streams coming in there but that's where i lived 19 years and um saw a lot and uh, experienced a lot the seals were my my favorite thing because they're just too cute you know they uh the little baby seals that, you know, come up on the water and they come out and, you know, you get to see all the dolphins and the whales and stuff from far out. Um, can you share with our listeners about some of the things that you've um, actually experienced with dolphins and besides being in the water and stuff like that that you've done? I, I think that you the, you're mentioning that you had a lot of fear of the ocean really triggered me because... I teach courses around the world, and I one of my main themes in my work is <clears throat> that you need to confront your fear before mm-hmm. you can move forward. You've got fear and go through the fear and get over the fear so that you can get out of that that handicap, that terror, and start really taking those giant leaps that are going to make all the difference in your life and in the planet. So I also was terrified. I really had fear of the ocean, and I didn't realize it until I was teaching one day in the, in Egypt, as a matter of fact, and I was helping people look at their fear, and somebody said, well, what about you, Patricia? Don't you have any fear? I am kind of a fearless gal. I mean, I'm in and out of pyramids, and I'm climbing, hanging off cliffs in Peru and every kind of thing, <laughs> and uh, jumping off the ocean. It's not for everybody. So I uh-huh. said, I just blurted out, yeah, I'm afraid of sharks. And I couldn't believe I heard myself say it, because wow. I never had put it words. And that's because I'm from California, and we have some great white sharks out there, right? Yes. <clears throat> so I decided the best thing to do was to, come, to, to ju- jump off of a boat and get out into the ocean and live my truth and walk my talk, which is face your fear. So I, my first experience was something else. I went to the Azores and I I got on a boat. I was two miles away from the coast. I was two miles up, up in deep, deep ocean. 
the waves were big, and there was. I looked out, like you said, the dorsal fins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw freaked you out a hundred yeah. of. And the captain said, "Okay, jump in. You've got humpback, not on those dolphins, just waiting." And I said, "How do you know those are dolphins? I mean, they look like sharks." Yeah. <laughs> in that moment, when we when we have those moments, and then we face the fear, and mm-hmm. this. He kept coaching me, you know, you've got to go, Patricia, this is so rare. We don't have that many um, uh, bottlenose here. And I was confronted with these choppy waves, these sea of fins. And oh, wow. in a situation where I was obviously so far from shore that one mistake and I would have been dead meat. And here's yeah. what happened. When I jumped in, I was confronted with these two dolphins that were checking me out. I call them the sentinels. And I, I could feel mm-hmm. their call and their exquisite song, which is why I'm doing concert about the dolphin song, bouncing off of me, doing a, a sort of a tune-up on my body. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I felt something hit me on my arm. As I was looking forward, something hit me. And that's how sharks usually attack. They hit first, and they come around, and they rip your arm off. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and I say that with a, a, a tongue-in-cheek because I also care about the survival of the sharks. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, anyway, I, I agree. I agree. bumped into my arm, and uh, I thought it was a shark. And then I realized it was a dolphin, and he, and he, and he was helping me face my fear of sharks. Wow. And then he, he, he swam down my body. I could feel him swimming down my, just his body next to my side. And then he leaped out of the water and leaped over me. It was some sort of ritual, after which all of these dolphins came up very close and started investigating me. And so not only was I blessed with this extraordinary, truly extraordinary moment of bliss with these dolphins that changed my life dramatically, but I was also, thanks to them, gifted with the absolute test of my fear. And that, that being, you know, hit by the dolphin powerfully and mm-hmm. shown the fear. And uh, so I got through that. So that is one of the most memorable moments of me in the water. But there are so many. I'm sure a lot of your listeners long for or have already gone out on the water, either whale watching or less people, I think, are actually swimming with dolphins. But they seem to be calling out to humankind. I feel, yep. I truly believe mm-hmm. that we are at a point where we are going to have some breakthroughs with these beings. This oh, generation of so. humanity is going to yeah, oh, I know. I so. I, I, you're absolutely spot on with that. And um, I think that that we do need to start paying attention, too. Um, because as they, I've been taught, they are the keepers of the ocean. And um, they commu- try to communicate with us, and they're very intelligent, intelligent, intelligent creatures that are just so... Um, you and can't even put them into here. words. Yes. The <clears throat> one of the themes of my work, and it certainly comes through in the emissary and the book before it, which is called "Before We Leave You: Messages from the Great Whales and Dolphin Beings," is that the whales and dolphins are the keepers of the music of the ocean. This is very, very important. That we are sometimes so detached from the reality that the Earth is a living, conscious being a musical being, and everything that lives on it has a musical frequency. So 
my message here is that the whales and the dolphins are holding the frequencies of the musical notes, the music of the waters, and we need to respect that because if you understand that the water of the ocean of the, the planet is the emotional body of this planet, then these beings in some way are holding the musical balance of that emotional body, holding the planet in harmony. Mm-hmm. That music, we need them to be playing. And I, a few days ago, uh, somebody sent me a file, which is crickets playing, singing, and mm-hmm. somebody, some genius, slow and listened to it, and this you can hear an, uh, an operatic choir singing. When it slows down, you don't hear, you hear, kinds of sounds coming out Mm -hmm. of the crickets in a slower vibration. I was blown away by this discovery, but it it also enhances what I truly believe in my soul, which is it's all music here, and we need to honor that. And that's why it is called Singing the Oceans Alive. And the musicians who are playing, I'm asked to incorporate the music of whales or dolphins into their piece of music, and that's what the night is about, the music of the oceans, honoring that. Celebrating that. Mhm. Yep. You know, um, that's so so true. And um, I have I have time sleeping at night a lot of times. And I know I have a sound I have a sound machine that plays the sound of the ocean and this and that. And you know what? I have to be by the water to be grounded um, because I feel like I'm totally out of my realm if I'm not. I I just have this anxiety level and I know you traveling a lot um must also experience it that um there is an app believe it or not you know these apps are amazing that you can get that is pretty cool and it's called um I'm trying to see I'm trying to see what the name of it is it's called B Brainwave Studio and you can actually pick the sounds of the crickets uh, there are, let's see, there's uh, the forest, fireplace, night wind, birds, piano, um, crickets, frogs, dolphins, submarine, whales, um, wind chimes. It's pretty cool. And so what I did one night is I kind of programmed it to, you know, play certain sounds. And I really felt like so at peace, you know, Um Sound is really important, like you said. I I agree with you on that. One. Right, but but there's but there's this particular tape that's on the internet. If anybody's interested, they should look at cricket sound slow, slowed down, or something like that. And uh-huh. the this person who did it slowed the the um, the music down dramatically. And what I'm suggesting here is that what you hear is operatic sounding choruses coming out of yeah. these crickets when it's played in slow mo to just, the earth. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah, I can, and I, I can like, imagine what are we that. missing? What else are we missing? What are I we know. not hearing? Because number one, we're not listening. But number two, we uh is there divine chorus going on here? And I believe there is. I believe that there's a divine symphony going on on this planet and that human song in, and it's but a small part of that majesty, and that's what I I care about. 
Yeah, and you know what? That's 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 beautiful that you can do that too. I think that it's really important that we do listen and we do pay attention because there are so many things in our lives that we don't hear and that we don't listen to and we miss out. Um, you mentioned about your fear of the ocean and how you handled it. Um, do you know what I did? Um, it was really funny. I The very first year that I was living in my house on the beach, besides just always running on the beach and 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 just taking walks and stuff like that before I started surfing. I had a friend show up one day on my birthday and um that day, believe it or not, the ocean was like pure glass and you know what I mean by that. It was just like you nothing, no wave, no anything, just glass. And um mm-hmm. she showed up with a kayak. <laughs> and directly out in front of where I lived was Catalina. So she said, you know what we're going to do today? And I go, what? And she's a lifeguard. So I felt really safe doing it. And um, we got in the kayak, and we kayaked to Catalina and took the ferry back with the kayak. But it took like, oh, gosh, maybe four and a half hours to kayak out to Catalina. And I was scared. I was. I was really scared. Because I'm here in the middle of the ocean, and I, I'm 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 terrified, and that got me over my fear. And um, like you, you had that experience with the dolphins and stuff. I want to hear about your experiences on some of the um, on the um, journeys that you do, the journey programs where you go through Egypt, Europe, England, Peru, Asia, Mexico, and the sacred sites on Soul Quest. Um, how would somebody set yeah. up a get get involved in that? And um, can you share some of those adventures with us? Okay, yeah, absolutely. I I seem to be very good at opening the doors, the gate to other realms, mm-hmm. and uh, I like to give people the same opportunities that I have when I go out venturing on my own. Because you you wouldn't believe the things I do. I, I Example, there's a temple in Egypt in a place called Abydos, which is my idea of the most sacred place in Egypt. Not the pyramids, but Abydos is the heart wow. of the spiritual I've never center been of there. the country. Where is it at? Oh, it's breath. It's, um, uh, well, it's it's in the upper Egypt, uh, about two, three-hour drive from Luxor. And oh, okay. it is... Uh, where the Egyptians believed that Osiris was buried, the great mm-hmm. Osiris. Um, so, and it has <clears throat> a building called the Osirian, which is believed to be over 50,000 years old, even though the historians don't agree, but the esoteric historians do. And then uh, Pharaoh Seti built a temple above the Osirian, and this temple is still intact. So, I went there, I've gone there several times, and I established relationships with some of the locals. And they told me stories about how at night the people were terrified of the temple because they would hear voices of spirits screaming or calling out. <laughs> well, wow. that's an enticement to me because I'm more than happy to meet spirits. So I said, okay, oh, sure. I want to go in at night. 
And my, my Egyptian guide said, oh, no, it's dangerous. Something could happen. I said, please trust me. I'd much rather be with spirits than to be with angry Egyptians out on the desert. So mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. lock me in. We'll pretend like I'm not inside. And I need time to be alone in there with the spirits. And I did have blowing experience in there. So I do these crazy things. And as much as possible, I try to create opportunities for people to have these experiences too. That's why they say, when I, some people say when you go on a trip with Patricia Corey, it's like uh, nothing you can imagine because I don't care so much about sightseeing. I'm about getting people through the gateways to the other realm. Well, guess and what, I do Patricia? That in I'm in line. I want to go on. I want to go somewhere with you. We're going to do it. Oh, I'd love that. All right. I'll let you know as things develop for 2014. No, because I'm totally open to spirit, too, and I have no fear for that. And um, I have a few things of knowing in my in my in myself, and I feel that that would be really cool. So tell me about what you experienced in that, te- in, in that Egyptian temple. What, what type of experiences did you have? I went into one of the chapels. There are three chapels inside the chamber of the um, temple, and this one chapel is called the Isis Temple. And I laid down there, and I told them to turn up. And the idea was I was going to be there for about a half an hour, and then I had to get out because what we were doing was totally open. But when they turned out the lights, I sort of just I laid back and I meditated. And then at some point, I, I felt myself sitting up, and, but I was like in a trance. It was a very interesting moment. And mm-hmm. I saw, saw a procession of pre- ancient Egyptian priests oh my God. coming toward me. And what was really amazing was they were coming toward me, and one of them had a basket of fruit, like an offering, that he was putting mm-hmm. down in front of that temple that I was in, in that chapel. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm, I'm in the way of his offering. And I tried to move, and I couldn't move. And uh, and then I, I I felt like I was being downloaded with information. I was just staring up at this ghostly priest, and he was staring into my eyes. And I I, I thought I really thought this is maybe this is when I'm going to leave the earth. And then I heard somebody calling me, Patricia. It's really spooky. <laughs> what had happened was one of the locals was too scared to come in at night inside the temple. So he was calling me from the door, and he he was calling me, you have to come out. But apparently this had found out, had been warned that somebody was in the temple, so they were going to come and investigate. So my team that had me protected came, and he started calling me, and I was halfway out of this planet when I heard my name, uh, Patricia, Patricia, come. So it broke the whole experience, and I got up and and went out, but it dramatically affected me. I, I have to tell you, that was something extraordinary. And what was very interesting is that the one of the main that I know there turned white when I told him what I'd seen, and he said these same priests, as exactly as I described them, have been haunting his house ever since he um, he damaged a wall in his in somehow connecting from the temple to his little piece of land these priests have been coming and haunting him to the point that he left the land so oh wow that was interesting validation they described them exactly as i had seen them 
And they weren't threatening to you at all. They were actually bringing an offering to the temple. And they knew probably you were there to do the work. Exactly. I was there to respect and honor Mm -hmm. them and the temple. And uh, I was in humility and grace. And I brought incense. And it was clear that I was a seeker. Whereas he had accidentally, I don't know if it was deliberate or not, but he had digging, maybe he was even digging to tomb rob for all you know, and mm-hmm. had damaged a wall of the temple. So they were this way. They're not Isn't happy about that. No, I know that. I, I, I totally get that energy. When I went to Machu Picchu, I that was uh pretty trippy for me. A lot of people were telling me, um, Wow, you've been there and I said, Yeah, a very ominous feeling there. Um yeah, I agree. And, you know, um, I always, I don't have a fear for that anymore. The What was odd for me was I had the fear of the water. But for me and anything else, I'm, I'm totally f- free of all fear of the unknown. Um, because to me, it's well, not it unknown. It's not unknown. That's what's so funny about it. It's not unknown to me, okay? Exactly. Like, you know, um, I think we're messengers of of some sort. Like you said, the emissary um, perfectly describes what you do. Um, You're the voice, and and the Indiana Jones, you know, um, tribute to you, I think that speaks very much in you. Now, you mentioned earlier about hanging off cliffs in Peru. I want to hear about that. <laughs> well, one year, one year I brought a group of, of people with me, and we were working with a shaman. Mm-hmm. And he took us up to a place, a very sacred place called the the Condor's Nest. Uh huh. And he conducted a ritual where he held people, he held onto people's waists. And said, okay, throw yourself forward. And throwing yourself forward meant a cliff that was so steep you'd be in the center if you fell, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, he 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 did this. He helped people, and they were. It was the the test here, as you know, shamans always do tests. And the test was trust, because if he let go, you were dead. Yeah. So when it got to me. I, he, about four of the people that were on the trip, trip wanted to do it, and then it got to me, and I said, you know, are you really handle me? I'm a big woman. <laughs> you're a little shaman. Are you sure you can hold on? And he smiled, and he said, if you're ready to fly like a condor. Wow. And I said, I'm ready. So I, I stood at the cliff. I mean, I'm very edge of this cliff, and this little guy was holding me, and I, when he said, open your arms and fly, that meant letting go completely, right? And being in, in able to it, it be in the now moment to the point that you can open, just stop trembling, stop fearing, open your arms and experience that moment of trust, of beauty, of grace, of freedom. And I could easily have died there. So that's what I mean about hanging off a cliff. I truly could easily have, have died there. One slip on the little gravel... Or, you know, one moment where he couldn't hold on anymore and I would have been dead. So you, that's what that's what that story is. 
What what experience did you feel when you were flying like a condor? What 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 was going through your head? What did you see visionary wise? Uh, <clears throat> the 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 desire to be in the total now moment, which is such a Zen thing, mm-hmm. and very difficult to achieve because we bring our baggage to every experience because. The unknown, the fear of the unknown is so immense. And to achieve that silent, blissful connection to that moment and nothing else, that's what I felt in that moment. In fact, I've got a picture somewhere that somebody snapped of me letting go. Because at first I was just saying, you know, I'm not sure that you can really handle my weight here. And, and he just smiled and he said, that's up to you. <laughs> I went, okay. But when I opened my arms, and he said, fly. And I just felt, it was just like, I felt like a condor. I felt that free, that breathtaking wow. freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you connect to any Not one like animal me. in particular, like besides besides the the dolphins and the whales and the sea? The sea, do you connect to any, do you have a spirit guide, do you think? An animal spirit guide? I have a couple. Yeah, my power animal, I have two power animals. One is the black panther, and that's not a surprise. I'm, I'm in and out of jungles and things like mm-hmm. that, so my panther is always with me, protecting me. And I also have the owl as my wisdom. That, me too, God. the white owl. I have two white owls that are outside of my window every night. Um, wow. And white owls in California are very not common, um, and my second spirit guide is a hawk. Um, yeah, wow. Yeah. And it's really funny, and I know you know how in um, the area that I'm in, in California, there are hawks everywhere here. And, mm-hmm. you know, when I go out for a drive or I go anywhere in my car, it's not like you're driving down city streets unless you go into the city. I mean, for me, it's like you drive down through the valleys and through the vineyards and through this and through that. And it's really funny that almost always I look above and I look out through my sunroof of my car and there's a hawk above me, one or two of them just following my car along the way. And that's happened to me not all the time, just sometimes when I'm when I'm out in, I'm doing things just on a, I'm on a spiritual quest where, you know, lavender right now is huge right now. And so I go out and I pick, I gather lavender. I harvest my own lavender here in my area. And um, I infuse it with moonstone and rose quartz and amethyst and stuff like that. So I go out on these little journeys, like stuff like that. I wish I could do more. But um, and I and I will be able to soon. Um, we just got in the chat room that um from uh Carmel twenty four two in Greek the word Delphos translates as womb and in ancient Greece the dolphin was recognized as the sacred fish and the ancient site of Delphi is known as the navel of Mother Gaia. That's interesting, Carmel. Did you? I know want that? to say that Carmel. Uh, is she going to be on the air because Carmel is she, one of Carmel, my... Carmel, you want to call uh, in? Hey, if anyone wants to call in, 347-677-1036. Carmel, do you want to call us? Because uh, 
Patricia would love to have oh, you on the, the show. Beautiful soul. Yeah, yeah, she's hanging, holding a lot of energy there in Greece. And uh, my my love to you, Carmel. Thank you for your wisdom sharing that with us. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, mother um, mother guy. Yes, definitely very very powerful. And a lot of people don't understand that um, there are many goddesses. And uh, they all have particular parts and places and things. That's how I've learned. Um, do you want to share any, share any of that knowledge with our listeners about that? And Carmel, please, if you can, call 347-677-1036. And to anyone else that wants to call in and has um, a question for Patricia or wants to talk to either myself or Patricia, give us a call. We're on the air. Um, this is Red Velvet Media. Um, I'm Holly Steffi, and I have Patricia Corey, and we're talking about her debut novel, The Emissary, um, and we're also talking about her Indiana Jones um, trips and um, <laughs> her her <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, exciting life that I wish I could live very vicariously through you, because um, it sounds like you've done a lot of things <laughs> that I, I could only dream of doing. Um, I'm trying to think of anything, you know, besides the the the, the um, surfing with the dolphins. I'm trying to think if there were any other things that um, I've done that. Well, I, I've let's connected start in the woods. I've connected to a lot of things. Yeah. I have a friend in New New Zealand that goes to the talks to the old man in the woods. When I was in Scotland, I went to Finhorn. I learned how to talk to the trees and the plants and stuff. That was interesting. Have you been to Finhorn? But you have a daughter. And I've never been blessed with a child, so we all have our gifts, don't we? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? Um, it, you know, it's funny you said that because I always tell her she was my greatest gift to the world. But um, I do so much by myself. And, you know, it's funny. My daughter has done a lot with me, too, as well. But now that she's older and traveling and doing her own thing, I personally am still on my own quest and my own journey. And, um, you know, a lot of people, we talk about spirituality, and I think we were talking about this um, a while ago, uh, about where everybody is on their path. They are exactly where they're supposed to be at that moment. And um, it's not about having a spiritual awakening at any certain place or any certain time, and going somewhere spiritual isn't going to quantify the spiritual, quote-unquote, isn't going to exactly. make you, that's, that's you know, right. enlightened unless you're ready. If you're ready and you're willing and you're open and, you know, spirit presents itself to you and you embrace it, then it comes to you, you know. And um, it's when you that's when you're able to um, be in tune. I'm typing to Carmel in the chat room um, um, to call in because I don't know if she's listening Although she is, well, I think. Well, she's in Greece. Call she's in. in Greece, so that might not be doable. I'm not sure um, if she like is in Greece. I'm looking here. She goes, in Greek, the word Delphos. So I'm not sure if she's in Greece. So maybe she is. Let's see. Um, Carmel, are you in Greece? Um, if you are, you know, type yes. into the chat room and let me know. She is in Greece. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. I have contact with her. Really? I would like to say also that 
you go on. I, you're breaking up you know, a little again there. Wild. What did you say? What did you say, Patricia? I'm saying that the wild Indiana Jones lifestyle that I have isn't for everyone and find spirit in a blade of grass. Wow. She just put it into the, into the chat room. She's in Crete with an exclamation mark. You knew yeah. it. You called it. Well, no, I know her. She She's uh, someone that I, I connect with um, for years now. She's someone who's read all my books and, and she's also invited me to come visit her in Greece, which I'll hopefully do soon. So uh, she's a lovely, lovely soul, very tuned in star sister. Oh, wow. I I love Greek food. Let's talk about Greek food now. <laughs> Tzatziki and uh, that. I, wow. She's in Crete. What an amazing place. Oh, that's that's intense. Um, are you planning a trip to Greece soon, or, or where are you planning to go after when you finish um, promoting your I, book? When I finish the a promotion, I'm going to go to the Azores Island because I fell so much in love with the island and with the incredible species variety of whales and dolphins there that I took every penny of my savings and I bought a house there. Where? What island? So I spend my in the Azores Islands off of Portugal. Oh, amazing. Have you been to uh, the Seychelles? Yes, I have. have. What did you think of that there at the Seychelles? What was your feeling? I love the Seychelles. I did too. I love the Seychelles. It was a little... I love islands. I love anything that's uh, ocean-related. I love. Uh Uh-huh. And when you walk down the beach in the Seychelles, the sand dollars are about the size of your hand, so you know that the water's really healthy there, and really. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, I just got your message. Okay, um, we'll wrap we'll wrap this up a little bit. Um, I want to um, say to you, your house in Portugal. Are you planning on spending um, a lot of time there after? You finish with this book. How much time are you planning on spending in Portugal? As soon as I can, as soon as I get back from the states uh, with my tour, I'll be heading over to the uh, the Azores Islands. I want to be there in season of the whales, and that is uh, from May, let's say May to October. So I'll be mm-hmm. heading over there and spending lots of time out on the water. And also writing, because it's a great place for a writer to be inspired to, to do their work. And also, more and more information is coming out about Azores being Atlantis. And I identified it as Atlantis the first time I went there. So there's a lot there for me to discover. Really, in Portugal, you felt that. That's amazing. Um, you know, the Azores I are in the middle of the ocean, the North Atlantic Ocean between mm-hmm. the North American continent and Portugal. And mm-hmm. that's, that's where Atlantis would be, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's I believe Plato. so. I believe so. Yeah. I, I, I truly believe that. And um, I think that I'm super excited about your next book that you're going to be writing, especially about about the about the Atlanta about Atlantis. Are you talking about Palladians in particular at all? The my Palladian connection culture? is with Sirius. Okay. Uh, no, my connection 
is more with Sirius, the Sirian star system. Okay. That's very, but very how intense. you've got birds all around you, I would imagine you've got a, a strong connection with the Pleiades. Mhm. Mhm. I I'm I can't wait to see you. Um uh and let's definitely try to talk um uh, more, you know, um I'll we'll catch each other and try to make all this stuff happen in England in the UK, which is going to be happening already. It's it's out there. It's going to happen. So again, um with Patricia Corey, her new book, The Emissary, is available online, and you can also download a digital copy, which is really cool. If you can't wait to get it in the in the in the mail, and uh, when um, you are doing, you're, you're in England, you're in the UK right now, so it is very late there right now. It's like 11:30, I think, at night, right? So we're not going to yes, keep you any longer on the phone because I know you've got a really big day ahead of you and I wish you the best of luck with uh, that phone call and um, I would love to talk to you in the next day or so and for anyone that's listening today if you did miss the beginning of the show you can listen to the show again it's in its entirety on iTunes and also on demand immediately afterwards on Red Velvet Media. And I want to thank Patricia for spending as much time as she did with me. Um, An hour and a half is more than we thought we were going to do, and I I just really feel this is really important. I needed to get that message out there to everyone about your new book. And you're just a very interesting person, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Thank you, Holly. No. Thank you so much. I just want to, you know, as thank you goes, I want to start by thanking you for being so adept at uh, putting people together as you do and being in synchronicity as you are. And thank you for that connection. I hope that works out. And and please try to come April 25th. Try to come to England by some little magic that you seem to do so well, and come to the Singing the Oceans Alive concert. And if not. Uh, yeah, we've got a date in San Francisco for sure. Mm-hmm. And what would you like to tell our listeners today? Oh, boy, what would I like to tell them? I would like to tell them that I hope that they – I don't want to make it sound like a promo. but No, they will it's not a the promo. End. This is real. This is not, <laughs> not fake stuff. No. Uh, no, I know, but I'm I'm saying I would love for them to read the emissary and really get deep into the story and feel the emotion as you have, and go into the experience of this book because it seems to be really waking people up. I, I had another uh, interview with a woman who said I never really had any awareness of the oceans, the whales, or whatever, and this book has been a dramatic wake up call. That's and great. So I hope that they will. I hope that they will. And I hope that, above all, please care about the whales and the dolphins. Mm-hmm. That's my message. Please care. Please yeah, and, and we're going to be ending with a um, dolphin meditation today that I actually um, am going to be playing. So for you, Patricia, um, have fun in uh, the U.K. and... Uh, uh, make sure you get that connection going, and um, I will make sure to. I have my 
screen's still open on the other, so if you need to go, that's okay. But um, I definitely am going to be hitting you up in the next day or so um, to talk because I definitely want to talk. And so for everyone listening today, make sure to check in with us on Friday, World Water Day. And uh, we have some other really great things going on. And um, I would like to have you back, Patricia. Um, Maybe we can do like little, we can do some shows on your latest adventures and travels and stuff. That would be fun. Sure thing. We've got to make sure you get some of those other books to read. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I love you. And um, I am going to... uh, Go ahead, and we are going to have everybody listen to um, the dolphin meditation as soon as we're finished here. And uh, thank you so much. Have a beautiful night. Thank you. You too. And uh, Goodbye, for everyone, everyone listening out there, um, that you all enjoyed this uh, interview as much as I did, because it's 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 really takes you to a different place. And um, and for those of you that want to read the book, The Emissary, it is available online if you want to do it. And you can find that pretty much everywhere. And again, it's spelled The Emissary, E-M-I-S-S-A-R-Y, by Patricia Corey, C-O-R-I. And with that, have a blessed day. You've been listening to Red Velvet Media with Holly Steffi. Thanks for listening. And tune in again next time.